Hello, and welcome to SaaS Marketing Insights, the show where we ask SaaS founders, CEOs, marketers, and investors about the lessons they've learned in their quest to grow their companies. My name is Paul Stevenson, and I'm founder and CEO of SaaS marketing agency, 47 Insights. On today's show, I have an interview with conversion copywriter, Liana Patch. Hope you enjoy it. Liana Patch, um, punchline uh, conversion copywriting. Is that correct? That's me. Great. Okay. So, um, so I hear that you're the lady that put the sass in sass. Is that right? I mean, I'm I'm sure I wasn't the first or the only one, but I try. <laughs> okay. So, um, tell me how you got started. First of all, in copywriting, uh, and then involved with sass. So it's a Long story, and I will shorten it as much as I can. Uh, I started writing copy in college, uh, and then I was just sort of fumbling along. And about seven years later, I was, excuse me, super unhappy with my business. I joined Joanna Weeb's first copywriter mastermind, uh, and I thought to myself, like, boy, wouldn't it be great if I could combine the stand-up and improv comedy I love with the copywriting that I don't love so much? And Joanna was like, you could do that. And I was like, oh, my God, I could do that. So I did that. (laughs) <laughs> that's a short version. <laughs> well, that is a very short version. So, um, so you've been a copywriter for some time already, and was that generic copywriting, or you were doing you know, particular stuff, particular industries? Um, I I dabbled. Um, obviously, when I started out, I was doing anything and everything. I was writing Facebook posts, website copy. Um, I rewrote an HVAC installation and repair manual for a client <laughs> which I now realize was like borderline you know unethical because he was he gave me this manual and he was like reword it which I did <laughs> so I don't know that was the worst project I've ever done uh, <laughs> but yeah and I, I did a lot of content work I did a lot of um, long-form content back in the day that was like the first iteration when I started to specialize uh, in humor copy I actually did mostly humor content for a year and then I was like, wait, I actually like writing landing pages and emails more than this. So I'll do that. So why do you think that is? Do you think it's because, you know, with conversion copywriting as opposed to any other kind of copywriting that you, you get to actually kind of measure the, the, the end result? That's, I mean, that's what draws me to SaaS and e-commerce in particular, because you find the most um, results focused marketers in those categories, I think. Um, and it's, you also find the, I, I think the, the calmest, most rational people versus maybe like the coaching space where people tend to be a little bit nuts. <laughs> okay. So don't tell the coaches I said that. Give me an outline of the scope of the sort of things that you do, because I think you just, just mentioned them. So I guess entire website copy, landing pages, uh, onboarding emails. Uh, am I missing anything? Uh, that's about it. So I do a lot of, uh, email automations. Um, I especially love doing post-purchase retention emails for SaaS and for e-commerce, like post-purchase win back. So how do we get someone back in the door for that second sale faster? I love um, working on transactional emails, especially in spaces that w- you wouldn't expect to have interesting transactional emails. So um, one of my pet peeves is when you sign up for something or you buy something and the marketing up until that point has been like fun and engaging and great. And then they get you 
And everything from there on is like default MailChimp or Shopify or Klaviyo copy. And it's like, oh, they don't care anymore. So my goal is to make every single interaction, and usually these are via email, into something that's super fun. So tell me about um, you know, what that process with a, with a new client looks like. I mean, obviously, they, they have a, a pain point, something that they think needs addressing. Uh, or, or maybe you've approached them and said, "Hey, your copy stinks. Uh, you should do. You should look at this." Um, where does it go from there? And you know, what's the process? And how long can can or should it take? So I don't approach people because I used to do that when I was copy editing, and I would like leave my business card in menus and be like, "You have so many typos in your menu." Surprisingly, no one ever called me. Um, so luckily, I don't have to go out and do that anymore. But um, people usually come to me if they've identified that copy is the opportunity on a page. So they've, you know, gone through their technical optimization. They've, they're testing maybe different um, page layouts or UX, and they say like, really, we're not happy with the copy on this page. It could be much more benefits focused. It could be more persuasive. We should try new copy, and that's either straight conversion copy, which is built on research, or it's conversion copy with humor. Uh, so that's like. I'm always going to build from the research first. I'm always going to build with the goal in mind. But I think when humor can be used uh, strategically in service of a conversion goal, that's mm. the most fun part. Yeah. So undoubtedly, the research is the most important part. But you're always looking to inject uh, your special source, your special sense of humor where you can. So do you ever get any uh, pushback on that? I'm thinking like, large B2B enterprise SaaS can be quite sort of dry and dull, can't it? I do. I try to head that off at the beginning by having conversations about what the brand voice is, what kind of jokes the brand might make. Um, so I have a quiz that clients will go through and they'll tell me, um, you know, what's your favorite uh, comedy movie? What's your favorite show? Who's your favorite stand-up? And I get a sense of whether we're going to go for like goofy uh, and wholesome or maybe a little bit more absurd or dark or highbrow. Uh, nobody usually picks crass and lowbrow humor, but it is an option. Um, and that gives me a, a direction to go in. And so usually I'll go through and I'll say, um, you know, here's the, the joke, here's the purpose that this joke is serving. Because someone's going to be feeling anxious about clicking through this button to start a free trial, we want to alleviate anxiety with a little moment of levity. That's why this is here. If the content of the joke doesn't feel right, let me know and we can rework it. Yeah, I guess one of the, the problems with uh, jokes or, or humor is that everybody's humor is different so as you can probably guess from my accent I'm not originally from Canada uh, I'm from <laughs> the UK uh, and I've been here three years and you would think hey you know the UK Canada it's pretty much the same right people's sense of humor no it's not there are things that you cannot say in Canada uh, you can say anything you like in the UK but there are things there's definitely a difference and and I, I guess, you know, that's cultural. It's many things, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm just wondering how you bridge that. I'm, first of all, I'm curious to know what you've discovered you can't say in Canada. Uh, I have my <laughs> guesses, but I really want to know. Um, and then you go, oh, sorry, sorry, just try to fit in. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I'm most fascinated with and something that I want to dive deeper into is the, the cultural differences between um, the differences in cultural humor, right? There are, I think, some universal things that are always going to be funny no matter who you are or where you're from, like babies, for instance, cute animals, 
um, people falling but not hurting themselves too badly. Those are kind of like universal uh, tropes that just trigger a response in us. Um, but mm -hmm. there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely different approaches. I was working with, um, you know, a client that you would not expect to want humor copy. It's a financial services firm in Australia, and they work with uh, private clients, among others, to manage their wealth. And they wanted a series of onboarding emails after the person signs up. So they've met them in person, uh, but now they want to usher them through this like six month onboarding. Uh, and I, I think I included a GIF of a rugby team and one guy was slapping the other guy's butt and they highlighted it and they were like, this is exactly who we are. And I was like, that is <laughs> unexpected. Like, okay. Sometimes they wanted to take it farther than I did. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, being versed in maybe uh, the basics of the culture's humor, but also being willing to adjust based on someone who actually lives there or was born there. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it, it still fascinates me. I, you know, I love uh, humor and stand-up comedy and, uh, but, you know, I, I'm just so conscious now of, of you know, the subtle differences that, that go on um, even between English speaking countries. So um, you've been in copywriting a long time. You've, you've been running Punchline for, for what, since 2010, nearly 10 years now, I guess. Um, you must have seen, uh, uh, if you can say it, a shitload of mistakes by uh, SaaS businesses. <laughs> I mean, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, do have, I do have a folder in my inbox called Bad Swipe File. Um, <laughs> And I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're mostly like egregious out and out mistakes, but rather opportunities or missed opportunities. So, you know, if I if I clearly haven't logged in in a while and I'm at risk of churning from your SaaS, you probably don't want to auto bill me and send me my my receipt. Right. You want to trigger an automated series that says, hey, it looks like you haven't logged in in a while. How can we help you get back in and get value? Here's a month free. You know, we've extended your billing date. Um, so there it's more like, how can we make this better? Not like this is so terrible. Uh, yeah. You should feel ashamed. Although sometimes we have those moments, too. So what do you think the, the biggest you know, common mistakes by SaaS companies in particular are when it comes to um, Com conversion copywriting? Um, I think the biggest thing that I see, and not just in email copy, but in websites and landing pages, is um, two-sided. Two it's this me-centric approach. So if, especially if it's a bootstrap SaaS and they're very proud of what they've been working on, they're <laughs> like, we made this thing. It's so cool. Come check out what I did. You know, it's got all this cool stuff in it. Readers don't care. We just want to know what's in it for us. So that's something that can often yield um, more concise and more persuasive copy just by going through and identifying anywhere you've said I or me or we and clipping that out. So instead of, um, you know, our software allows you to follow up faster with uh, prospects, just say follow up faster with prospects, like don't bury the benefit. And that's the other major mistake I see is it's along those same uh, lines centering features so like what it is or what it has instead of benefits which is what it can do and often like the benefit of the benefit of the benefit uh, i can't remember who said that first um but if you can if you have a line of copy and you can read it and say so what mm. uh, then you haven't really written the benefit 
and you can go deep with that like inception like so yeah, what so yeah. what so what oh the end benefit is here you kind of have to like stair step that kind end. of like the uh, the five whys you know you say yeah it does this which means which means that the typical feature to benefit which means that which means that which means that which means that <laughs> and i think yeah. there's a risk sometimes of going too far so uh, you know, if the end benefit is that like you save time and money, you've kind of passed the point of specificity and stickiness. So we can always like group things into um, umbrella terms, but sometimes that's not the best. So it's it's knowing where to stop uh, and where to bring in specific examples. Uh, I think with those benefits, that's like kind of crucial. So, um, yeah, I was going to say, you know, I think that's the most common mistake that I still see as well. It's, you know, it's just features. Uh, lists and lists of features, mm -hmm. uh, not trying to understand it from, um, you know, the, the user's perspective. Um, and then, you know, just generating more content around features. So that you go, you go and look at the blog uh, there's, or you look at the rest of the website and there's no case studies and there's no, um, you know, you go into the blog section and you find that um, it's just, uh, you know, May 2019. Here's the latest features. Mm -hmm. April 2019, the features. You know, yeah. it's just there's no. You know, you can't even tell who's meant to really use it. What what the potential use cases for something are. Uh, yeah, something is. Yeah. So, yeah. An all too common uh, mistake. So um, I don't know if you answered the question, but I'm going to ask you again. So why SaaS? Other than SaaS and SaaS sounds great. Uh well, first of all, Joanna Weeb was my original like hero. Uh, she was doing SaaS and I was like, that seems fun. And second, I just love software and I'm a real nerd for it. And I've used it to run my business solo for 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just, I love software people, especially mm -hmm. bootstrapped founders who are just building something really cool. Uh, yeah. Usually, sometimes it's not cool, and you're like, "Why are you making this? This exists already." And they, you know, they usually <laughs> don't. You don't see them around after that. Uh, <laughs> once you destroy their pride, they tend to just drop off. The, um, okay. But yeah, just, you've never said that to a client. Hey, did you know this exists already? It's called this, and it's better. <laughs> uh, I've I've said it to one person more diplomatically at a large <laughs> tech conference. He was explaining his email automation software to me, and I was like, "Oh, so it's like Active Campaign." But you just have a slightly more narrow market segment. He's like, no, 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 it's not like Active Campaign. And I was like, <laughs> but it is. Yeah. So yeah, there are a lot of uh, similar products and overlapping products around. Yeah, and that's another challenge, right? With in a competitive space, how do you differentiate? You know. Yeah, and and I guess uh, sort of humor is one of those things. So going back to the SaaS thing. I think you've uh, spoken at MicroConf a couple of times, uh, most recently this year. Mm -hmm. um, can you give us an overview of you know what what you spoke about? Was it some particular aspect, or was it sort of ge in general? Because uh, I think so you did started, didn't you? So you were talking to this year. I did, yeah. Yeah. Um, last year I spoke at Growth, and I talked about how, why, and where to use humor in your copy. And this year I think it was uh, nine ways to write higher converting copy. So it was kind of a grab bag of principles that you should use when you're starting to write copy and a little bit of, you know, how to collect the valuable qualitative user research that you're going to need. And then some of those copy mistakes. And I think I had way more than nine. And I said something like, I'm not a math person. I'm a word person. <laughs> um, but whenever I give talks, I'm just like, here's everything I think I know, you know, 
and hopefully it's valuable. Well, you must have done a great job because uh, Rob and Mike obviously invited you back this year after your previous efforts. So uh, they're the best. best. I'll uh, be there next year too. (laughs) Yeah. In terms of, um, you know, business development, uh, I guess it must be a, you know, great opportunity speaking at Microcomp. Um, You must get some work out of it, right? I do usually. Um, It's really nice. Yeah. And this time I had the opportunity to lead a couple of copy roundtables, which is kind of great um, potential client research for me, right? Because I had everybody write down their biggest challenges with copy and landing page copy came up a bunch, knowing how much or how little to write came up, um, knowing how to edit and when to edit uh, came up a lot. So I was like, great. These are all things that I can teach and have taught and should probably be teaching more. So if you're um, a bootstrapped SaaS founder, um, and, I, and I know you're not, but, you know, uh, if we're thinking like that, you know, how much do you think those guys and gals should attempt on their own before, you know, they call in the professionals? I think they should give the whole thing a go. I mean, if it's overwhelming, then obviously you want to have somebody on hand to help you with it. But it's so valuable to know the structure of your marketing funnel, if we can use that word, and your marketing Mm -hmm. ecosystem. And if you've had a hand in all of the copy, at least you know for the first part that it's gonna be cohesive in terms of voice. Um, And second, you are writing toward a goal because you're very connected with that goal, the end end of which is revenue, right? So Mm -hmm. you're writing with more urgency than someone that you hire might have. So I think it's a, a really good idea for everyone to give it a crack and then they can uncover where they might not be strongest. So maybe, Maybe they love writing the onboarding stuff that helps people get into um, the platform or the app, but they hate writing the sales emails um, or the asks. And so they can say like, oh, this isn't my best part. I'll farm these things out, but they have a better sense of it. So you would work with uh, everybody from, you know, a single founder, bootstrap SaaS, all the way up to Salesforce, say. (laughs) (laughs) Are they listening to this? Hey, guys. Um, I have, uh, and I would, um, and I, I tend to think that it's, unless you have a very, very good organizational structure, it's a little harder to get buy-in for some of the riskier copy at those bigger organizations. But that said, I've worked with larger companies, and as long as there's one person who's making the marketing decisions over there, you can, you know, good yeah. day, here's why we're doing this, and here's why you should support it, and it you know, usually goes well. Because the problem with larger organizations, especially when it comes to marketing, is it can get very bogged down in multiple stakeholders and endless yeah. meetings and, you know. Copy by got, committee. Yeah. And you, yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's got to be the worst thing, hasn't it? Because it just turns out to be very middle of the road and not really doing its job. Yeah. And I, I think all copywriters, especially conversion copywriters who swipe from research, have had the experience of a client or some mystery stakeholder who you never signed up to work with uh, going through and taking out your very specific swiped phrases because they don't think they sound good, but it's like, Oh, that's what made it powerful. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. How to explain to clients not to take out the the bit that really works well. (laughs) And that's why, that's why I usually, you know, I'll present copy with a video that walks through it or we'll review live on a call. So it's like, if you have any questions, I can explain why this is here or I'll highlight a headline and be like, this phrase came directly from the reviews of the research and that's why we have it here. You know, I didn't just make this up. Yeah, yeah, the, the customer voice 
aspect is very important, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So going back to, you know, working with different size you know, SaaS businesses, um, do you find it, it's there are big differences in terms of uh, what expectations are or in terms of what you do deliver for, say, a bootstrap versus, a, you know, a, an enterprise, established enterprise uh, SaaS business? Hmm, I don't think so. Uh, I try to be pretty clear, and I know I think most other writers would too, about what the deliverable will look like, how it will be delivered, like Google Docs or maybe in a wireframe, how many rounds of revisions are included. And usually if it's going to be something more complex, like an email automation sequence or a landing page, I'll do an outline first and I'll say, here are the points I think we should hit. Here's the structure of the landing page as far as I can see from the research. Does this look good? And then I'll go ahead and write the draft. So it's not like you know, buy a thing, two weeks later, you have copy in your inbox. <laughs> There's a little bit of back and forth. <laughs> yeah, that'd be magic, wouldn't it? They just like click a buy now button on your website and then copy just magically, magically appears. Well, there is also that. I do have productized services where people do that, but it's for smaller things. So like if you know your abandoned cart email sucks and it's not converting, you can go buy an email tell me about it uh, after you buy it and I can write it for you. But usually I just check in and say like, Hey, thanks for buying this. I'll work on this, you know, on this day. Um, oh, that's nice. I didn't know yeah. you actually had that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to make it easier for people to get started working with me in a smaller scope way. Um, mm. Because I know that it's scary. You know, when you hire any consultant, you're just yeah. sort of trusting no matter how much, onboarding you go through or how many contracts you sign you're just trusting that they're going to be able to deliver what you want yeah and i guess that brings us to uh you know another question really which is nobody ever knows how much stuff is going to cost because you know your services like mine it's it's consulting it's professional services mm -hmm. uh and it's like well you know how how long is a piece of string um and I think, you know, by having that productized offering, at least it's very uh, visible to people, you know, what it is going to cost and you know, what the scope of it is, mm -hmm. timescale, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, you know, do you find uh, you have to manage people's expectations around things like price and how long it's going to take uh, and, and how do you? Um. I sometimes do. Uh, usually if, if price is the major objection for someone, that's totally valid and it might not be the right time to work with me or I might not be the right person to work with. Um, and I have no qualms about saying, you know, maybe now is not the right time. For instance, somebody slipped through um, my like intake form and we got on a call and I was asking her about her online store and I said, how many um, visitors do you get per month? And she took a second to look at her analytics and said, five? And I was like, okay, so, you know, a product description is not going to be the right thing for you to spend money on right now. Um, yeah. You should buy some traffic and, yeah. you know, good luck, come back in a year uh, <laughs> or whenever. Um, so I, you know, I try to be honest about that, that kind of stuff. And in terms of timeline, um, before I, you know, spend any time hopping on a call with somebody, if I know their project is not something I can fit in sooner, and I tend to book about four to six weeks out, I'll just say like, by the way, I'm booking kickoff dates for mid June. Is that yeah. okay with your timeline? And I do ask about timeline too. And then when I finally send a proposal, if it's one of those custom projects, uh, I'll include a detailed timeline. That's like, 
here's when I'll deliver. Here's when you review. Here's when you get the next draft. Here's when you review, you know. So people because should guess, know what to expect. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, you know, um, although you're dealing with, uh, you know, SaaS businesses and you're, you're writing for them and, you, you know, you're helping them to scale. In fact, you're running a business yourself that, that really isn't scalable at all. It, it, it's really right. about you. <laughs> Feels great. Oh. <laughs> was that a comedy hook? That was that was me pulling my invisible collar, like, get some air, you know. <laughs> yeah, the okay. giant cane will come off screen in a second. It just—that's what I thought. I thought there was a. <laughs> um, so um, you're based down in New Orleans. Yes, that's correct. And I guess you work with um, businesses all over the U.S. and international as well. I do. Yeah. I actually don't have any local clients. <laughs> Weirdly. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I think... Are you going outside in your sandwich board, walking the streets? Constantly. It's <laughs> really embarrassing and very sweaty. Um, yeah. I think that the New Orleans marketing ethos is a little bit behind, like, the Twitter marketing uh, pace. I don't know. I think, how do I say this without shitting on my home city? Uh, <laughs> people don't want to pay. Um, there's something that we call the deep south discount. And right. the, value, the value of my services is not immediately apparent to businesses down here. Um, and I'm also in the, the lucky position of not having to go out and pitch. Um, I do a lot of speaking. I do a lot of fun things like this. Uh, and people seem to find me. Knock on wood. <laughs> well, I think it seems to be uh, working. I, I think probably people find and hear about you because you're very good at what you do. How about that? Let's go with that. Yeah, tell my mom that, please. <laughs> it's been 10 years and she's like, what? Do you, I don't know what you do. And I'm like, I don't know what you do either. But, you know, you, yeah, you I think spend all day in a lab. That's more a reflection of parents' age rather than anything. I mean, yeah, I don't think anybody knows what I do. I'm not sure myself, but hey, you know. But hey, it seems to be working. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm having fun. <laughs> no one asked Paul what he does. <laughs> Liana, thank you very much for your time today. It's been great to uh, uh, learn how you put the SAS and SAS, uh, your particular spin on conversion copywriting. Uh, I, I think uh, it's a very distinctive uh, and refreshing approach. And uh, it's really great to meet you and understand a bit more about how you go about doing it. This was so much fun. Let's let's do it again tomorrow. <laughs> no, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll bump into each other at some point. I'm pretty sure of that. I hope so, yeah. All right. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Liana. For more info, please visit punchlinecopy.com. For more info about this show and to get our links to iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher and YouTube, check out www.47insights.com. And if you have any SaaS marketing insights that you'd like to share on the show, please get in touch. Until next time.